0: Welcome to the Catholic Youth Podcast, a podcast that will encourage and inspire you in engaging with young people in Catholic youth ministry. I'm Juliana, and in today's episode, number 14, part one, Running Retreats, I'm sitting down with Sebastian Duo, Associate Director of Young Lasallians for the De La Salle Brothers Congregation. He had the privilege of representing the Youth of Australia as an auditor of the 2018 Synod on Young People, Faith and Vocational Discernment and has been a member of the Australian Catholic Youth Council. He is passionate about empowering young people to live their best lives and has been working in youth ministry for over 10 years facilitating retreats in schools and communities across Australia. Sebastian will be sharing his top tips and experiences when it comes to running retreats that are not to be missed. So Sebastian, welcome to the Catholic Youth Podcast. Thanks, Juliana good to be here. So great to have you here, visiting all the way from Sydney, down in Adelaide for the day. Uh, We love having special guests over, so thanks for coming.
1: No worries at all. It's a pleasure. It's really exciting.
0: So before we jump into things, could you just give us a little rundown? Like, who are you? What do you do? And what do you love about running retreats?
1: I've loved youth ministry for a long time. Uh, I started off uh, in sort of a parish setting uh, at my local sort of youth group, spent a couple of years there, and then started helping run uh, the youth group on a Friday night, once a month. When I started uni, eventually, then I um, started as a youth minister in a Lasallian school, De LaSalle College in Ashfield, yeah, out in Sydney, and then spent some more time. There, eventually moved into the, the Sallian sort of head office in Sydney as well. It was a great space to be in and I've been there ever since in different sort of roles. So I started as the retreats and programs coordinator for a few years, then became a young Lasallians coordinator. I've only recently started this new role as associate director. Um, it's been a really exciting time. I think my role's changed uh, in a way that I find that I'm less and less uh, in front of students and actually building good relationships Mm. or 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 connecting with students and i'm more connecting with other youth ministers sure um so part of our role it's a sort of multi-purpose role that we've got or that i've got anyway and we do spend time running lots and lots of retreat programs. So the team in our, um, our our sort of office team facilitates around 80 retreat days a year or 80 retreat programs a year, wow. uh, which is a lot. It's huge. Um, there's lots of travel involved in that. We work across Sydney, um, a few fair few retreats in Bathurst as well. We run lots of programs in Melbourne. Uh, we're traveling a fair bit. So there's a fair few programs there, but that's one part of our roles. Mm. Outside of that, we also work with a team of youth ministers. So we've got 15 wonderful youth ministers who are based in schools across our, our district. Our district is officially Australia, New Zealand, Pakistan and Papua New Guinea.
0: Just, you know, it's just yeah, small just geographical. Yeah, just there. a few different cultures and languages and, yeah. and different situations. Yeah, It's yeah, not a, not yeah. a challenging not thing. Not at all. all.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's so that's an interesting thing as well. That's been a great learning curve over the last few years, getting to visit a few different places and... Yeah, acknowledge that I still have a lot to learn and usually when I spend time in, in some of those different places outside of Australia and even outside of Sydney, um, yeah, my hat sort of has to change a bit yeah. to just know that I'm a learner wherever yeah. I am. I'm a learner in lots of different spaces and can't step in and assume that the way that I do things or the way that I know how mm-hmm. to do things is the right way to do things. Um, oftentimes it's not, Yeah. even mm-hmm. um, even in the situations and spaces that I'm comfortable in. So that's been a really exciting development or a really good positive thing about being in the lasallian space or being in this this sort of role anyway as well
0: so what are the de lasalle brothers about what's the lasallian charism like
1: the short answer is faith service and community Uh, those are sort of the three major core values uh and we oftentimes in our young lasallians team anyway when we talk about that we usually say community service and Mm. faith in that particular order sounds the same but really we start with community and oftentimes we find that um, the way that young people connect with a sense of spirituality or a sense of faith or something that means, um, you know, something more to them, something beyond the, beyond the realms of, of normal, usually that starts with community. Yeah. Um, usually it all starts with relationship and it mm-hmm. starts with knowing a person, you know, you don't, it's really hard to say that you want to connect with faith or connect with a spirituality or or enter into something that deep without trusting the person who's having that conversation with you um, without actually being in relationship or or at least being in community with that person. Um, And so community is usually the first step. And then we often find as well that it's usually in the experience of serving another person or or doing something of service, of giving of yourself, um, that usually that encounter with something more comes out. Usually that spirituality and faith comes out of that. I'm oftentimes, yeah, it's hard to connect with faith and it's hard to connect with those deeper sort of things when we stay in the spaces that we're comfortable, I mm-hmm. find, anyway. And so, yeah. yeah, we tend to reorder that to make it sort of not just more digestible, but to to think about it in the context of the way that it usually usually plays out in people's lives. In that
0: tangible way, yeah. through encounters, through yeah. experiences that kind of trigger something to go, oh, okay, and to have that um, beautiful, safe community um, that you trust to be able to delve into those conversations absolutely that's mm. that sounds really wonderful what a beautiful beautiful spirituality and charism and finally what do you love about running retreats
1: Oh what I love about running retreats is that it's never the same thing <laughs> twice it's never never feels like a repeat of another program mm. or another thing no matter how many times we, use the same theme or, or run a similar program to you know on paper something that's exactly the same as what it was yeah. somewhere else or at a yeah. different place or at a different time um yeah it's all about people really and the people are always different and so yeah. when you come into contact with different people and you're trying to communicate and get to know about different people and learn about you know, where they're at and you know how to how to engage with them and how to engage them it's a yeah it's always different the program always ends up looking different the the days always end up looking different the conversations are always different and it just makes for a special sort of time every time you sort of step into a space and, and a. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: I totally agree with that. And I, I feel like I'm learning that more and more that youth ministry or retreats or these encounters are as diverse as the diversity of the people that we're working with. Right. And it's such a beautiful thing. You can tap onto certain um, topics or issues. But being able to encounter it with different people, everyone brings a little facet or a little sort of spark Mm. of that. Um, So there's always more to delve into, more to learn, more to grow. And yeah, that's definitely something that sparks with me that keeps me interested and passionate in this space. So yeah, how beautiful. Something really, really cool that we get to carry through facilitating retreats and getting out there and encountering our young people and other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited to pick you your brain about retreats today, um, because it's really something that's kind of turned into a ritual or a rite of passage. I'd like to say, um, especially a lot in our Catholic schools and parishes and communities. Mm. Like for example, when I um, left my previous place of employment, joined the Coia team, I had to let my previous colleagues know that I was leaving, and they asked, oh. So what work are you doing now? And I said, okay, I'm going into youth ministry and we're doing, you know, spiritual formation and social justice programs and leadership programs with young people across parishes and schools. I didn't know how me explaining my, um, you know, my next steps after that place of employment would go with with, um, my old colleagues because they were quite diverse and, you know, um, religion or faith wasn't something the basis of it. But one of the girls um, said to me, wow, that's really cool. You know, I'm not religious, but I went to a Catholic school and um, what I encountered on my year 12 retreat still stays with me, you know, 15 mm. years later. Yeah. And she's she just said encouragingly, that's really good, you know, the work you'll be doing and, and that's really great for young people. So, yeah, it's something retreats, um, taking that time out is something really special but it's also maybe for people who've never encountered that are kind of going what on earth are we going to encounter in this so could you give us a bit of a rundown so what generally happens on a retreat
1: that really depends um it really depends on a lot of a whole lot of things um yeah what the theme of the program is what we're being asked to do what the audience is who the age group is how long we've got yeah um there are so many different factors um what usually happens on one of our retreat programs is that we have a group of students and if I'm, yeah, if I'm going to go off the, um, the general sort of basis, the, the three sort of principles is that, yeah, from the beginning of the day, what we're trying to do is connect. We're yeah. trying to connect with young people. We're trying to connect with where they're at. We're trying to meet them where they're at mm-hmm. and meet them at whatever stage of the journey that we're on. We're trying to foster community and, and build trust at a stage. Um, it's really different to working in a school as a teacher or as someone who's there, every day and then running a retreat program for yes. a particular group of students. i um, in my particular work, you know, oftentimes we're meeting a group of students for the first time or a group of students that we maybe see once a year yes. at, at their retreat days. If we run, if we've run their retreat days before sort of thing. And so oftentimes it's reconnecting or connecting for the first time mm. and when you're trying to enter into a retreat day and like we've spoken about already, that sense of trust, that sense of connection, that sense yeah. of relationships, important. And so it's important for us to build that and we spend a fair bit of time on retreat days, just trying to build that level of trust with students so that we can start to have some of the conversations that we want to have. Yeah,
0: Or even like I can imagine for the students and their established teachers or staff members to build that connection. So they might have a connection on, on a daily basis, but in this, maybe not in this sort of parameters. So mm. yeah, I think it goes always building that connection seems to be very key.
1: Yeah, it's massive. It's important. I know that on a couple of retreat programs, and it's often some of the best days that we run when we've got you know, less, uh, or when we've got teachers leading small groups or things like that, or staff members leading small groups. So even having some of the teachers just introducing themselves, saying introduce yourself the way that you would introduce yourself to another person not that you would not the way that you would introduce yourself to a group of students to a classroom yeah tell the students what you actually do like you know let them know that you're an actual human being because sometimes that disconnect happens and (laughs) students might forget that teachers actually have lives outside of their school they just live at school
0: they just yeah but
1: yeah, it's, a, it's one of the best things that, that sometimes happens that mm-hmm. teachers actually get to see their students in a different light and yeah. students get to see their teachers in a different light and some of the conversations that happen in those spaces are really helpful as well. So that then sort of leads into the next couple of places or the next couple of phases of the retreat program that, yeah, once you've connected or that connection sort of happens mm-hmm. over the course of the day as well, once you've started to build that connection, you get to... Access the student's wisdom. You get to learn about what they know and what they care mm. about and then try and build on that wisdom. You're not trying to introduce completely new things. And yeah. one <laughs> of the analogies we always use is that sense of, you know, people ask for a people ask for a, a glass of water and we spray them with a fire hose. Yeah, um, yeah we're <laughs> not trying to do enough. that. Um, yeah, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to meet them where they're at, but not leave them where they're where we found mm. them. And so you know, we're not the. They're I'm not, not gonna blasted watch. with a fire hose, yeah.
0: like on the ground, like <laughs> yeah. struggling to breathe. Yeah, no, it's a gentle, gentle stream. Exactly. Gentle, it's gentle a, drips. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and there's so many different things that, that play a part in that as well. And then the last thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to apply that sense of wisdom. Whatever we've been able to, to talk about, whatever we've been able to, to learn about, whatever wisdom we've been able to apply that day, we're trying to think about, right, what does this actually mean practically? Mm. What does that actually mean for your life? Um, one of the things that I always say about retreats is that the retreat day or the retreat isn't about the retreat itself. It's about what happens afterwards. Someone can have an amazing time on a retreat and love it and have great memories from it. But if it doesn't impact the way that you live or the way that you look at your life or the way that you interact with people after the retreat program, whether that's a day or a week or a month or a year afterwards, but if you're not taking anything out of that experience, then was it really a successful sort of experience? Yeah. Was it really a good thing?
0: How does it help change your heart or yeah. change your outlook or grow to for you to grow in love or to grow in in that sort of wisdom yeah. as well? Yeah. yeah,
1: that's a really high bar to set. That's, <laughs> that's a, a high- really high <laughs> expectation, which is yeah part of that sense of having the right expectations for the right day, sure. knowing that you know if you've got a day a, a day with a group of year seven students that you're probably not going to change the way that they interact with people for the rest of their lives, but what small thing, what's the one, what's the one message that they might be able to take away from that day? What's the one thing that they might be able to latch onto or the one thing that might be helpful. And that one thing that might be helpful is saying, Hey, how do I actually interact with the people in this room? How do I actually interact with my peers on a daily basis? Or have I made some good connections with my peers that um, are helpful for the yeah, for the for the for the community in this room moving
0: yeah. forward. Yeah, I really liked how you um, broke that down into those incremental steps. That yeah, that connection, that relationship, and maybe focusing on one good takeaway, right? Because sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. Like we build up for this retreat. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of admin and lots of things going into mm. it. But to actually be like, no, this is this is for our young people and yeah. we don't have to be overwhelmed by it. But it's those small incremental steps that we just trust that God is going to use in, in their journey, wherever that's going to be. So I really like how you sort of broke that down. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'd love to say that that comes from myself. It doesn't. Um, that's a... Uh... Yeah, one of our uh, one well a great man anyway uh graham neist who is actually a yeah, yeah he's actually a marist uh <laughs> he yeah does a lot of retreat stuff and, and has this retreat theory sort of stuff that we've learned a lot from and, yeah. and we use this sort of our foundation for the way that we think about retreats anyway it's a really helpful thing it's been a really helpful tool
0: absolutely and for us to remind ourselves of mm. those things as well because sometimes we want we want the world but you know it's good to okay let's get back to the core let's you know bring it down um yeah and not get overwhelmed by it so that's yeah that's really good wisdom to have I'm learning a lot here so you explained it before sometimes you're doing you know 80 retreats or retreat days a year that can be you know a lot a lot of heart a lot of work going into it so I'm just curious to know you know why, where does this this joy um come from for you to to pursue this? Like was there a time when you were facilitating a retreat and things really came together and you felt so uplifted and you left it like, Yes, I'm feeling like this is why I do this. This is why I want to keep at this?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Uh there's a lot. There's a lot of those experiences where you just sort of walk out of day and you're like, Yeah, this is amazing. There's also some experience where you walk out of it and you go, oh, that was, that was rough. That yeah. was really hard. That was really difficult. Um, but I think the good experiences make up for the bad, yeah. um, the, the good experience. I wouldn't say any of them are bad, but the good experiences make up for the challenging ones. Yeah. yeah so if I'm trying to think of a story, it, usually most of the stories come out of the longer retreat programs where you've actually got a couple of days sure. to, to journey with some students because, yeah, a day is rough and <laughs> Oftentimes they're working with eighty plus sort of students yeah, on a day, day and trying to get to know enough of them and or enough of them at a level that is, you know, at a at a sort of decent connect, level as yeah, well, or a yeah. level where you're actually connecting beyond just knowing their name is Oh, even is knowing difficult. their names. Yeah. <laughs> even knowing eighty people's names <laughs> in a day is is really hard. Yeah. That doesn't usually happen. No. <laughs> um, so usually the the really good experiences come from either really small groups of students where you can actually get to know people mm. really well or multi-day sort of experiences where you get to actually journey with students. One of the one of the particular programs that's always a highlight of the year is um, um, we work with a school out in Melbourne and they have a, a three-day year 12 retreat sort of every year. And it's just become a highlight of everyone's year every year. And it's one of those programs that the team sort of fights over who gets to go and who gets to facilitate <laughs> and who gets great. to run it. Um, because we find that over the three days, there's just the change in openness of the students that happens every time. And you just walk out of that experience going, wow, like yeah. these students, and you sort of remember those students. And yeah, I would say that I've run that program over the past seven years, maybe five or six times, if that. And most of those students, after running that program, I've never seen again. Yeah. Yeah. But those are some of the students that I still remember and still think about and still yeah. go, Oh, I, you know, remember this interaction or remember this conversation yeah. or remember what yeah. you said in response to this question or remember this conversation that we had about faith. I remember like one particular year, this student that um, having a conversation and having this, um, or oh, we were doing this activity anyway, that was about your image of faith or your image of God and, each student had a little bit of a block of clay and we're trying to mold what that sort of looked like and for the majority of students in this particular school anyway that wasn't a a really difficult sort of task that lots of people sort of got into it but there was one student that sort of sat there with just his block of clay and didn't really want to do anything and I went and sat with him and we started having a conversation about you know that image of God or what that looked like and you know I started saying you know what you know, what do you have faith in? You know, you don't have to have faith in God. And I'm not telling you you have to have faith yeah, in God. Not That's not an anything. expectation, yeah. Um, you know, but I just want to know where you're at and and what it is that you do believe or what it is that you do have faith in because you've got to have faith in something, right? Like <laughs> yeah. whether it's your family or whether it's yourself or, yeah. you know, some other forces or science or whatever it is, but, you know, you've got where to believe are you something. At? Yeah, you've got to believe yeah. something. And um, he sort of turned around and he just, kept going back to that God thing. And he goes, I just don't believe in God. like, that's okay. You don't don't need to. (laughs) Um, But he sort of kept going back to that. And so I sort of shifted the question and went, well, okay, why don't you believe in God? And he was like, I just don't believe in this, this, and this, and this. I was like, okay, well, if you were to believe in God, describe that God, What, what kind of God would you believe in? And the response that he gave, I remember him saying, he's like, if I believed in God, it would be a God who's, kind to everyone, who accepts everyone, who loves everyone, who actually wants people to be the best version of themselves, who actually cares about people and who doesn't want bad things to happen and doesn't let bad things happen. I sort of responded to it. I was like, well, you kind of just described the same God that I believe in. (laughs) Like that's the same sort of thing that, and I'm, you know, it wasn't, I'm not going to say that it was a big conversion moment for him that he started believing in God and now he's, you know, his life's changed. I'm not going to go that far, but having some of those conversations where at least there's a, opening an openness or a shift in perspective or at least the questions get to be asked and you can see the gears and the cogs turning people's heads um and likewise the cogs turning in people's hearts like that's Those are, those are the best moments. Like yeah. those are the best moments of retreats and there's there's been so many of those.
0: That's so amazing because it's unlikely that you'd have that space, you know, in a classroom or, you know, in, in the sports team or, or things like that. Like the, these spaces are so important um, mm. for young people to be able to delve into it and ask those questions. And yeah, that, that really sort of warms my heart to hear that and really actually um, connects to an area that I'd love to get your input on. You know, especially like in that setting um, you explained before, in in a school setting, you've got um, lots of young people from different faith backgrounds or no faith backgrounds, um, or have different needs or different you know parts of their stories that they're bringing into these settings. So, do you have any advice on you know how we can sort of keep the Catholic faith at the heart of our retreats? But whilst also being, you know, inclusive and giving a meaningful experience for people who um, may not be of the same background. Do you have any examples when um, you've done this?
1: Yeah, uh, examples. Well, what we try to do generally is, um, you know, the best example I can give is right in sort of our Lasallian Charism in our Lasallian district. Our district, Australia, New Zealand, Pakistan and Papua New Guinea, Pakistan is a 90-something percent Muslim Muslim, country. And uh, the majority of students in, in our schools there are Muslim and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, the way that the Lasallian charism is lived out in those particular schools is just beautiful. It's just wonderful, right? You've got, um, you know, de La Salle brothers, Catholic brothers in schools running these things and you walk into any sort of conversation and a few weeks ago we were in Zoom with, with some of these teachers and at the beginning of every sentence they'll say, may God bless you, wow. which is inclusive as anything like it doesn't you know that doesn't change anything um at the end of every prayer in the lasallian charism we say live jesus in our hearts and in pakistan they say live god in our hearts which again includes every person in the school there's there's, it's those little things those little language choices about you know what are you actually saying yeah what are you actually saying and and what are the implications of what you're saying Mm. you know we talk about prayer and usually when i'm trying to lead prayer on days like this It's trying to come from the the most inclusive lens possible about what prayer is Mm. and we usually say that prayer is a conversation with yourself with others and with god and if god isn't something that you necessarily believe in if god's not necessarily necessarily something that you think is is important to you then prayer is still a, a really valuable experience it's really a good time to, I like to say, a time to ground yourself and a time mm-hmm. to hold the mirror up to yourself and look at what's inside you. Um, that I think, yeah, really, even when I think about prayer and if I'm talking to the most Catholic people in the room yeah. about what prayer is, is that God doesn't need us to pray. Like God mm. doesn't need our prayer, but prayer is a way of us accessing what we think and it's yeah. a, its a way of us listening to what God's saying in that same space. Yeah. Why is it not an experience of... Trying to think about what we're saying to ourselves or what Absolutely. other people are saying to us. So it is really just about connecting. Yeah. And so for the people who aren't necessarily Catholic or are coming from no faith backgrounds or different faith backgrounds, um, hopefully there's still an access point. And when yeah. we're doing things like that, we're trying to encourage, you know, different styles and different modes of prayer that are things like storytelling and things like. Um, you know, watching video clips and sometimes clips from movies that, you know, have good messages and trying to connect that back to that sense of the something more and whether that's faith or whether that's spirituality or whether that's, um, you know, whatever's going on inside yourself, hopefully there's still an access point there. I think that's what it's about. It's just trying to provide an access point to, to everyone in the room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess being open to that as well, like not being afraid of necessarily does it need to look a certain way or am I ticking certain boxes or pleasing certain people? Yeah. yeah, And I loved your example before of, you know, finding that common language and maybe it's about finding that commonality in certain spaces um, mm. And being open to people exploring it with with their language and things and finding that connection.
1: Yeah, and it'd be it'd be dumb of me not to go back to Pakistan and use them as as an oh, example it's again. Oh, so cool. <laughs> but to say that um, every time they do a prayer, there's a reading from the Bible and a reading from the Quran. Amazing. It's yeah. such a shared and such an inclusive sort of space but I know that there's definitely been spaces or definitely been retreat programs that I've been on um, multi-day sort of programs where we're having meals and sharing meals Mm -hmm. together. And we're by the, at least by the second day sort of encouraging students to lead, lead that prayer and say, Hey, do you want to, do you want to lead a prayer before a meal and just say whatever. And lots of those students go, I, I don't know what to say. or What am I doing? And for some of those students just saying, just say whatever, say whatever you think is, is, is right to say or, you know, give gratitude to, to whatever it is that you want to give gratitude for the fact that we get to share a meal together right now. And sometimes that is uh, a Muslim student going, oh, can I, can I say a a prayer in Arabic or can I um, recite a a passage from the Quran or can I do something else or a student who's Sikh or a student who's Hindu or a student who's Buddhist sharing gratitude in whatever form that they share gratitude in that. Yeah. Spirituality is, is something to be shared that, you know, most of our most of our faiths have more in common than, than they have things that divide us. And, yeah, we can access lots of those things from each other.
0: Absolutely. And I think um, in that sense, sharing spirituality begets that for other people. Mm. So even if you're not of the same background, faith background, um, seeing someone else, seeing another young person, um, you know, being able to stand up, and, and pray or say those things or share, that opens up space like for other people mm. to be able to explore that as well and um, to have that interfaith dialogue and to understand a little bit more and have those safe spaces where, you know, maybe in a classroom or a school day, you're not going to ask your, your classmate from another background, you know, hey, what is it that you actually believe in? You know, but having these um, special allocated spaces in retreats that it, it is totally appropriate to say, oh, you know, thanks for sharing about that. I'm curious to know more. I'm curious to understand. Um, yeah, it's such a special space that we don't, you know, necessarily have in our day-to-day lives. Mm. So, yeah, I just want to really affirm you on that. That's such beautiful sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So probably back to the the pre-retreat things like you were saying now in your current role um you're kind of doing more of the planning side of things which is some people really love that and some people really hate it and i think actually some people um, like to focus a lot on the planning, the pre-retreat, mm. the programming, because yeah. it's a safe space. It's like, like you said, each retreat is different. Even if you're talking about the same sort of topics, you don't know what's coming at you. You don't know the hearts of the people who are coming, what they yeah. feel comfortable with. So the planning um, and the lead up is an important time, but also sort of a safe space where we can think, oh, at least if I can tick off certain things in the schedule that I know in general are going to work, um, I can enter the retreat you know a little bit more calm not knowing exactly what's going to hit you so do you have any top tips in the lead up to a retreat you know Mm. how to do that planning um where we can feel comfortable going into that space what to include
1: yeah that's a great question uh one of the things that we always come back to in the team is yeah it's there was this old saying in youth ministry. I think it was youth ministry or it came from somewhere that was people, not programs. Yes. We sort of <laughs> adapted that. We said, you know, what we say is people before programs, but programs honor people. It's that pre-work and that prep work that honors, you know, the time that you spend on that and the effort that you spend on that values the people that are yeah. that are going to be in your space. You and can't so, just wing it. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't wing a program. <laughs> you can't do things like that. And But it is at the same time something you need to be aware of that when you walk in and step in front of a group of people you don't know who's going to be in front of you and being prepared to shift and adapt and change is such an important thing i definitely have walked into programs and there was one particular program at the beginning of the year um, with a group of students that i've sort of worked with over a few years now we walked in at the beginning of the year and i said to them we had two days together and the first activity of the program was okay I want you to get into small groups and write down all the things that you want to get out of the next two days. What are all oh. the things that you actually want to learn or want to have, or want to to know what the next, you know, over the next two days, um, and said, okay, whatever you write down, if it's not here on this program, we'll put it in the program. Like I was prepared to throw away the program and go, let's start from scratch. If whatever they had written down wasn't in, in line with things, knowing that, Hey, I've got time tonight when everyone's in bed. To put some <laughs> I don't need to sleep. Like we to can sleep make this really happen. Like um, but usually that's a big part of those kinds of programs anyway, is adapting and shifting as you go and changing yeah. things up as you go. Um, but in that particular setting, I was lucky enough that most of the things they'd written down were things that were already... Correct. I was I was very lucky in that sort of sense. Um, or, you know, it was a God incident, if you might say. Yeah. Um, no, but it, to, to go back to your initial question, uh, I think things in terms of the prep work, things to include, or the biggest things to include, are uh, opportunities for people to interact with each other and for people mm. to share with each other. Um, that's one. That's a key thing. Oftentimes what happens when we're... With writing programs thinks it's this talk and let's have this person share about this and let's yes. have you know it's a lot of talking and there's a lot of sitting and there's a lot of listening but yeah. but where are the where are the people who are participating in the retreat actually interacting and actually getting a chance to share where they're at. Um so it's those opportunities to interact that are, I think are, are really key. The next thing is, is fun. There have to be fun elements on a retreat program, particularly when you've got, and we say a captive audience, students who haven't chosen to be on a retreat day. They're not, not choosing to be on this experience. Um, Lots of them are forced to be on the experience and lots of them probably don't want to be there more than they actually want to be there. Yes. I mean, in those particular instances, the connection part becomes even more important and part of connecting is having fun. Yeah. Um, that there have to be those opportunities to go. Okay, let's just relax a little bit. Let's know that this moment, that this day, that this experience isn't as serious or isn't as, um, you know, or you know, let's let's try and let's try and break down the barriers or break down the yeah. expectations that yeah. that might have been there at the beginning of the day. Let's try and let's try and break that down so that we can actually. Have some of the bigger conversations so yeah fun um opportunities to connect with each other and then the last thing that i think is really key is, is storytelling yeah um that it's a big part of any sort of program is that um i'm a big fan of brene brown yes um and i'm forgetting if it's brene brown or, or someone else now but i'm pretty sure if it's brene brown <laughs> that um talks about the fact that human beings are hardwired for stories they're yeah. you know our brains take on knowledge and take on wisdom and take on things better when we hear it through stories. And not just that, but it's another opportunity for people to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I could tell you the science behind why it's important to be grateful for things and why gratitude is a wonderful thing. Or one of us could share an experience about when we've actually being grateful for something and, and and how that's impacted ourselves or, yeah. you know, what gratitude has looked like practically for ourselves or, or for someone else. And it's probably going to be a much more interesting conversation, one. And two, we'll probably connect with each other a bit more. And you probably remember yeah. it more. Yeah, we're going to remember more. Or feel it comfortable more, yeah. to
0: follow up and be like, hey, I like that detail yeah. of your story. Can you tell me what happened next? Yeah, like- or you
1: might resonate and go, oh, actually – Now that I think about it, I've got a similar experience too. And now I know what that person is talking about. Now I understand. Yeah.
0: So in the presentations to use lots of storytelling and points of connection along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Youth Podcast. We'll be back soon for part two of this episode on running retreats where Sebastian shares plenty more wisdom stories and laughs. In the meantime make sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Cath Youth Adelaide to stay up to date with all the latest information resources and events. Until next time see you.